The following sermon is from the United Church of Tishomingo. If you have your Bible and you would like to turn with me, um, I've got several passages of Scripture and I always kind of get, I'll just let you turn when we get there. Instead of trying to give you a list of five or six of them, we'll just turn. But one of the main ones is James chapter 4. And then... Um, I'm going to start out again in 2 Timothy chapter 1, and then there, uh, I'll be in Hebrews and James, and they're right there together, and I'll be in Ephesians, but they're all close together, so we're not going to be turning all over the Bible. Actually, for a minute, I may be in Genesis, but I think everybody knows where Genesis is, so that won't take you long to find it, but... Um, um, I'm going to start out again in Timothy, 2 Timothy, chapter 1, with just one verse, which will be chapter, verse 13. But um, I've told you before, and so when I preach today, I just want to remind you, because sometimes people nowadays get their feelings hurt very easily. So I want to make sure that you understand that what I'm preaching is what God has put, I feel like, here lately in my life, in my heart, to share actually outside in the world. That's one of the reasons I'm doing the devotional on Facebook. And I'm not saying, I'm really not preaching this to you, my church family, thinking you need this. Whatever you hear that God convicts your heart, let it convict your heart. But this isn't because I think we're doing or not doing something. This is something that I want my church, actually I think more likely, the better wording would be to get behind me and support this and, and understand why it's very critical that the church needs to be doing this in the world right now because the world's messed up. And I think the world is messed up because the church has kind of lost its way, its focus, its purpose of what it's supposed to be doing. And I'm trying to call us back to what we're supposed to be doing. So you know that I've been preaching lately on how we can learn to resolve all the things that are going on in our nation and our world at this time. There's actually a resolution. There is actually an answer to these things. We're not hopeless. There are some things that can be, we can be healed very easily. But I know that only God can do it. And people say, yeah, and I hear this, and I agree. Now listen, because I love the music, so I'm not going to get, but we need God's revival. We need that, but let me tell you what God says. I've given you my spirit and my word and my command. Quit sitting on your rear waiting for me to do it. Go do it. I've given you, do you all understand that? That in other words, now, we have to be filled with the Spirit and we have to be doing it out of God's Word and we've got to be doing it out of love and all that stuff. But God says, you do it. That's your job. Get out in the world and change the world because I've equipped you with my Word and with my Spirit. So just make sure that we understand we've got to believe His Word and we've got to act upon it in knowledge and in faith. But God gave the church to heal and revive the world through His Spirit and through His Word, us acting as believers. There is only one way to rightly interpret and respond to the events in our world today. And that is by holding everything up against the standard of the Word of God. And then we respond to the events the way the Word tells us to. Did you know the, the Bible has not only what are, what are legitimate values and beliefs and what aren't, but it also tells us how to respond to those. That's all in there if we would study our Word. So I want to remind you briefly. This is what, I, if you've been watching the devotional, you're sick of this, and, but I'm going to say it anyway. In 2 Timothy 1.13, it says, he's telling him, 
Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And I want to remind you, a standard is something that you hold things up against to see how they measure up. Like I said, my favorite thing is baseball. That's how I do everything. And my brother last week called me, him and one of his buddies, said, uh, all right, we got a deal going. We want to see where you match up because I'm the baseball expert. I really am. That's just. And they said, we're trying to name the top ten pitchers in the major leagues since World War II. And so they had their list and want to know what your list. So I started giving them, you know, uh, Nolan Ryan and Tom Seaver and Bob Gibson and, 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 and Greg Maddox and Roger Clemens, those kind of guys. And what we decided was when we kind of got down there, there's some guys that are really good, but we set a standard that if they haven't won 300 games in their career, and for those of you who don't know, that's like the major league gold standard. If a guy wins 300 games, he's going into the Hall of Fame. The way you know he's a stud is he won 300 games. That's just automatic. So that's a standard, you know. All right, now watch this. In our world, in our society, a lot of people think ideas and values are good. They have an idea that they're good. But how do we know? Because a lot of these ideas and values conflict with one another. Do you think there's some conflict in this world? That everybody agrees and disagrees with each other? Okay, so how do we know which are the acceptable values and which ones aren't? There's got to be a standard like... Does Tom Seaver belong in this list? Absolutely he does. You can't beat it. You know, he meets the standard. All right. We've got to be holding the ideas that people are coming up with against this standard called the Bible, called the Word of God. And that's how we know whether that idea has value or whether it should be thrown out. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. I know people nowadays get their feelings hurt, but not every opinion is valid. And not every idea holds weight. And sometimes, some people have some real stupid ideas. And they need to be called stupid, and they need to be thrown out because other people get caught up in those, and then we got a lot of people doing stupid stuff, and it's hurting our country. And so, that's where we come up with this, not, we, that not everything is valid, and we have to hold it up against the Word of God. And so today, there's a principle that I want to share with you that I didn't want to do this sermon this week, because I just didn't feel, but I kept saying, okay, God, what do you want me to preach? What do you want me to preach? And he just kept coming back, kept coming back, so I'm going to do it, because uh, I just feel like, I guess he put this on my heart. I don't know if I'm going to get done. I wanted to get done, but I don't think I will, so it may be a two-part sermon. But anyway, it's, it's something that God put on my heart a few years ago, and I've never really shared it here as a sermon. I've mentioned it once, but I've never really shared it. So I want to talk today about a principle is this that there are certain things in life, because it's where our world is going right now, and I can see maybe why God won't, I know I'm not trying to argue with God, it's just that I resisted this and He wouldn't let me away from it. So I guess what I'm saying is, I think you probably need to hear this. And again, what I'm fixing to say is, maybe not for you because you're doing it wrong, but maybe there's some people you need to share this with. Does that make sense what I'm saying? That God's equipping you. Okay. So, there are certain things in life that God has given us, for a purpose. But if we pervert the purpose of why God gave us something, it will always cause us to end up perverting the practice. Okay? So, Jim Kennedy, if you're listening or if you watch this later, he's always asking me. You can make the title of the sermon, Purpose versus Practice. So the principle, one more time. If there is something that has a God-given purpose, but we pervert the purpose we will always then end up per perverting the practice of how we use that that God gave us. Does that make sense? So let me start out. 
okay? I'm going to begin with an easy one that hopefully won't offend too many people so that maybe people will stay through the sermon and not quit halfway through. If I started with the harder ones, they're just going to quit. So I'm going to start with an easy one and try not to get too many people. But number one, the first example is a very easy one, food. All right, we're going to talk about food. As a scientist, I used to teach my kids this all the time. Do you know why God gave us food? Do you know what the purpose of food is? I'm not trying to be funny. But food actually has one purpose and one purpose only. Energy. That's why God gave us food. It's the energy that we need to survive. By the way, what I'm fixing to say here, I'm as guilty as anybody sometimes. So I'm not being a hypocrite. I'll confess my sins in front of everybody when it comes to this. But watch this very carefully, all right? Here's how life works. I used to teach this to my biology students every year. We take and we eat uh, the green plants, you know, that God gave us. You know, every, all food chains start with green plants because they're the only ones that can harvest, harness sunlight energy. They put it in a little box called glucose. Y'all remember your biology lesson? And that glucose is found in all the food you eat. And that little box, once you eat it, goes into your cells. And then oxygen, you breathe in oxygen. And oxygen goes into your cells, and oxygen busts those little boxes apart. Okay, it just opens the boxes, and the sun, the energy that was in those little boxes comes out, and that's what keeps us alive. That's what, that's, and by the way, we measure the energy in calories. That's all calories are, is they're a measure of how much energy a food has. So different foods have different numbers of calories because they have different numbers of, see an easy biology lesson, how that works? So you just, you just learned about the circle of life right there. And food is about energy. But what's happened like in America, in our society today, is that so many people now use it for pleasure instead of just for energy. And we have a health crisis in our nation that is unprecedented. I mean, we literally, did you know that over five, you know, we're worried about COVID. Did you know that over 500,000 people just in the U.S. die a year from heart disease that comes from not eating properly? Uh, a few years ago, they did, a, they did a little deal. They showed... For years and years and years, China or Japan would not let like McDonald's and American companies enter their country. Well, they finally did. Did you know Japan used to have like zero heart disease? People didn't die, you know, they didn't, you know. And so they, they correlated when these fast food restaurants were, were allowed to move in. And there's a graph you can watch as the number of fast food restaurants increased, heart disease and death and different kinds of cancers increased. I mean, right along with it because that food is... Horrible for you. Now, I used to, I've gotten, my wife and I actually, not, nobody cares about this, but I don't care. My wife and I kind of made a deal. We have not been out to eat since the COVID hit. We found out that we don't need to go out to eat. And so we don't do that anymore because I know as a sign, I knew, you know, and the thing about it is, she, we talk about this, it's easy, you've worked hard, you don't have to prepare anything, you just go get it and put it on the table. But y'all understand, I don't care what they say about the guilt-free, you all understand there's no such thing as healthy fast food, right? Y'all understand that. And it hardens your arteries and it hurts your sugar level, it does all, it's, it's, you do what you want to with it, that's free advice from the preacher and all the businesses are going to hate me, but I'm sorry, that stuff is just horrible for you and so we have this now watch this carefully i'm not saying we can't do fellowship lunch and have pleasure over mrs so-and-so's dessert one time but that's become our lifestyle that's become just what we do to get by and we literally use food for something that it was never intended to be used for listen to me carefully i read this statistic two days ago when it I know, you can laugh at me, but I still read science journals because I'm a sci I actually like doing that stuff. 
Did you know that out of 94% of the people who have died from COVID in the U.S., 94% had 2.6 comorbidities. In, their, in other words, they had almost three other things seriously wrong with them, and that's what causes the death, not the COVID. Did you know that if you... Now, I'm going to say this really quick. Some people have medical conditions they can't help. I'm not talking about that, so please don't. Can I, can I, do I have to qualify everything, right? There are some things people have. Sometimes, for example, there are types of diabetes that are genetic. You can't help that. You just, you're born with it. There are types of cancer that are genetic. You can't help that, you know? And sometimes people like, I hate it. I hate it. People can eat anything they want to, and they don't gain weight, and they don't get, they don't get hard to, you know, whatever. I mean, a lot of it's genetic, but listen to me. A whole, whole lot of it's self-inflicted. A whole lot of it. And two, almost three comorbidities of 94% of the people that have died. And if we would just take care of ourselves, and if we would use food for what it was meant to be used for. In other words, we almost become its servant instead of it being our servant and using it for the energy. You know, I used to tell my kids in school, I said, look, guys, your body, every cell in your body only gets built out of what you put in there. I'm not trying to be funny, but if you were going to build a house to live in, in Oklahoma, you wouldn't use, you know, crappy materials because it's going to, you know, you realize that y'all know, what, uh, I've gone blank, Tim, what's his name, this Christian comedian uh, that plays the guitar, Hawkins, yeah, he says, he says, I love it, he says, I love it at these picnics and stuff, he said, we'll say a prayer, and they'll say, Lord, please bless this food to the nourishment of my body. And he said, we're fixed to eat a whole bag of Cheetos. You know, and it's like, Lord, turn this Cheeto into a carrot on the way down, you know, as it goes in, into my body. And, and, and the thing about it is that we have, we really have in America, we have a love affair with food. I'm going to say it one more time. Nothing wrong with enjoying a meal and doing that together from time to time. But we make it an everyday part. We, we, it rules our lives. And we have to be careful. And so we perverted the purpose, but we have therefore diverted, perverted the practice of how we use food. I got a friend, a guy that I know, and um, he's not in very good shape, okay, his body. And it's because of his practices. And he was eating lunch one day, and some people were around, and somebody called and said, that's horrible. He goes, that's okay, I'll just take another pill. I was like, no, that's not how this works. You don't have to do that. You could be a lot better off if you would. Y'all understand what I'm saying? So there's an easy one right there. We have perverted the purpose, so therefore we pervert the practice of how we actually use that. All right, number two. Let's get into a little bit deeper now, something that's not so funny. Money. All right, I want to go to James chapter 4, and I want to read something to you that while I was doing this sermon hit me that I'd never really thought of. Because I've always had trouble with money. I've always, I just feel bad. I don't like talking about money. It's uncomfortable to me. Look at what it says in James 4. Go to the very last sentence of verse 2, and then we'll look at verse 3 also. James 4, two, the last sentence of verse 2. It says, you do not have because you do not ask. Now verse 3. But you ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you can spend it on your pleasures. Now, I've always had trouble with this. I don't like talking to the church about giving. I'm always afraid I'm going to run people off and all that kind of stuff. But did you see what that said? Look at the converse of that. 
Did you see that that actually says it's okay to ask for money? You should be, ask, you should be asking people to help. As long as it's for the right motive. Not so that I can have a bigger house and a nicer car and all this kind of stuff, but so that we can use that money for the proper purposes. Do you all understand what I'm saying? So look at it again. Yet you don't have because you don't ask. You ask and you don't get it because you're asking for the wrong reasons. You're just wanting to. So use it for your... Watch this very carefully. What is the purpose of money? The real purpose of money is what? A tool to get what we need. It is not a treasure to amass all these things the world says we should have. Every time I preach at a graduation or a baccalaureate, I, I say this every time. Everywhere I go, I say it. And I say this. I say young people, but old people need to hear this. I said at these type of events, what's always the theme? Yay, you've got your education. You're ready to go. Go out and conquer the world. That's you're ready to go. Conquer the world. And I always tell them, but if your idea of conquering the world is using your education to get all this stuff that you always dreamed that you ever wanted and amass all these things, not only have you not conquered the world, the world's already conquered you. Because you're going to end up right now before you ever get started in an endless rat race. Trying to get more and more and more and more. And I can tell you it's never going to be enough. You're never going to have enough. You know that old saying that I don't care how well you do, if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. I mean, that, that, that kind of deal. And I have discovered, I really have, not trying to be funny, you can be happy with not a lot. You can be really happy sitting on the porch drinking a cup of coffee and you don't need a mazillion, bazillion things around you to comfort you, all this, all this stuff that we have. And so what we have to understand is God gave the idea of money, but listen to me very carefully. It does not say that we shouldn't ask for money. It says that we should not be seeking money to spend on worldly pleasures. All right? Now, I want to say this so that nobody else gets mad at me. Didn't say you can't have nice things. But there's a point. When is enough enough? What do you got to have? How many people have just neglected their family and their children and their wives and their husbands and all this kind of stuff because we don't have enough and we don't have enough and we don't have enough and all that stuff is ruinous? It, it just ruins us. And it ruins the world. What you're seeing, not, not totally, but one of the factors of all the junk you're seeing going in this world is because all these people think the world owes them something. And they don't have enough. And so they think it's their right to just go take it. That's what you're seeing. Because they've been taught somebody owes them all these things. And so we've got to understand, the, the, the reverse of, a, of the positive connotation of this verse would be what? If you ask for money... It should be for the purpose of meeting basic needs, but also for sharing for other, with others that are in need. How many of you have ever, think about this, because this is biblical, and I bet you don't do this. How many of you have ever, but maybe you have, how many of you have ever asked for money so you could give more to somebody else? Y'all ever asked that prayer? Have any of you ever asked the prayer, God, would you give me more so that I can share it more with others? Because that's the point. That's what money is about. It's to meet our basic needs, but it's also to help others meet their basic needs. All throughout the Bible is the principle of how we should be sharing our resources with those in true need, not just finding more ways to pile it on ourselves. Guys, that, that parable scares me. Not parable, it's a true story. That Jesus told about the rich man and the poor man Lazarus. And the rich man just kept it all to himself. And, last, and then they died and the rich man went to hell and... Lazarus went to heaven, and, and, and you know, uh, the, 
rich man is talking to Abraham. He says, look, man. He said, you had your good stuff on earth. And you didn't share it with anybody. And now, this man's getting his reward. He's being comforted. And now you're in torment because you wouldn't help anybody with the stuff that you had. So I'm not trying to guilt trip you. Just so you know, to this day, I don't look at the giving statements of this church. I don't look at who gives what. I don't, you know, I mean, I look at the balance sheet, but I don't look at who does what. I don't care because I'm not going to judge anybody on that. But I'm telling you that God has called you to give. And He's called you to give to the church. And then, if you're like me and Jeannie, there are things outside the church that we support that God has put on our heart, you know. And sometimes I share those with you if you want to do it, but I don't say you have to do it. You know, I just share some of the things with you because, for example, really quick, but I want to throw this in there. The things that Jeannie and I give to are things where I've been and see and know. So, for example, not one penny goes to administrative costs and all this kind of stuff, but the money actually goes straight to those people and gets to the children and all that kind of stuff. I can share some of those with you if that ever interests you. Um, that's 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 what that's what's on our heart. But because we no longer understand the purpose of money, then we practice the use of money in a very perverse way, just to amass more stuff for ourselves. So many people in our world today are building up more and more treasure for themselves while so many need help and they go without basic necessities. Guys, listen to me. I'm not, but you do need to understand this. You know how many people in this world don't have basic necessities. They have nothing. And man, listen, if nothing else, go through your family's financial statements. Look how much money you waste going out to eat and take some of that and give it to somewhere where you know that they're really hungry and they really need help you know, Jeannie and I fixed supper last night. I'll, people are going to really think I'm stupid, but I don't care. I'll just tell you all the goofy things about me. But we fixed supper last night, a good supper, and we sat there and we calculated what it cost us to eat that supper. And the whole, and I'm talking about a full meal. I mean a good meal. It was four bucks. Total, it was four bucks. And me and her can't go to Chili's without spending 35 bucks. You, you can't get a glass of tea for less than 275 and the meal was $4, the whole thing. And that leaves you a little bit left over to help somebody that's not getting to eat tonight. Now, and be careful. I know there are people in this world who don't work, and they just want everybody to hand them everything, and, you know, you get sick of seeing that, and you don't want to get... I understand that, but there are also a lot of people that are poor, that don't have anything, that do need help, and if you really care, you can find them. Okay? You can ask, you can research, and you can find the places that work. I learned that from my mom. My mom and dad have given their whole lives, did. And my mom always researches, really. She's like, every, it takes her like a month to decide where she's going to give because she does all the research. But that's, that's what we do. And so, listen to me carefully. We're going to give an account one day on how we use the money God gave us. We are going to give an account. That's one of the things that He's put into our life. And uh, I'm not saying that you can't have nice things, but man... If all we do is build up a portfolio while other people starve, we're going to give an account for that and there's going to be a judgment that comes because we're not using our money. So when you pervert the purpose, money is not so I can, then you're going to pervert the practice. All right, number three. Third one, and this kind of goes hand in hand with it, is work. All right, I want you to go to Ephesians 4, verse 28. Ephesians 4, verse 28. And while you're going there, remember I said it one more time. Didn't say you can't have nice things. But if that's all we build up, then we're cheating God and we're cheating people on this planet who need help. All right, Ephesians 
Look at this. Let him who steals, steal no longer. Watch this. But rather let him labor, performing with his own hands what is good. Look at this. In order that he may have something to share with him who has need. Now again, I know there's a fine line here, but don't use this as an excuse to not help anybody. There are actually people who can't work. There are actually people who can't meet their own basic needs. Did you see what he said the purpose of working was? Not just so you can eat your own bread, but so that you can have something. How many of you look at your job that way? Have you ever done it? Really looked at your job that way? Have you looked at your job and said, I'm doing this not just for me? Because I hear people say, I'm going to give my family everything I had never had. I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. All you do is ruin your kids when you do that. You know why you have the things you have? It's because you didn't get those things. You had to work. And you learned how to do it. Are you all listening? There's a guy that I'm becoming very close friends with, and we talked about this, and, and he's a very good businessman. And he was talking about that the other day, and I said, listen, has it ever dawned on you that the reason you have what you have is because you had to do it, that nobody just handed you a business? Nobody just handed you something like that? And so, guys, you need to understand that the worst thing you can do is hand a kid something that he didn't work for. That's the worst thing you can ever do. People that are watching on TV, the worst thing you can do is hand a kid something he didn't work for and leave them this huge inheritance that they didn't earn. That's the worst thing you can do because it never works out well. And we all know it. We all nod our head, but we can't make ourselves do it because we don't want to be the bad parent. We don't, want to, we don't want to be the one everybody talks about, that they don't do anything for their kids. Listen to me. I can tell you from experience, it ain't hard to spoil a kid. Even when you're trying not to, it's not hard just because of the country that we live in. And you have to understand that your job is so that you can provide for basic needs, share with others in need, not so you can give your kids everything they ever dreamed of. I had a friend of mine say this one time, I don't do this anymore, but we were arguing on Facebook about teacher salaries. <laughs> and I had a guy put this on there because they were talking about how Oklahoma teachers don't make and all that kind of stuff. And my buddy responded, he says, I'll tell you how an Oklahoma teacher, how I raised four kids on an Oklahoma teacher salary. He said, I learned to give them everything they needed and about a half what they wanted. <laughs> and it, he was just making a point, but that's a good point that, that, that parents need to learn. I gave them everything they needed, but only about half of what they wanted. Didn't just hand it to them. They had to, they had to work for stuff. But these days, watch this, we kill ourselves working so that we can amass all this stuff. That's what we do. We kill ourselves so, so that we can get all, our, all this stuff. And we are losing ourselves in the rat race. Another purpose of work, now watch this, because I've shared this, but I'm going to share it again because I want people to hear this. Your job is not a way to amass stuff. And let me tell you what your job really is. It is a vehicle that you use to glorify God. And here's what I mean. Also, when I speak uh, to, uh, to kids, to adults, anywhere... Your profession or your job, I come to learn this, even as a teacher, that's actually not your calling. It is the vehicle by which you fulfill your calling. Now stay with me and watch this very carefully. Okay? That makes all honest work equal. See, there is no shameful work. None. If you understand that your calling is not your job, your calling is to do what? Glorify Christ in your job. So a fireman who glorifies Christ and a farmer who glorifies Christ 
and a businessman who glorifies Christ and a teacher who are equal because they're fulfilling their calling and the job doesn't matter. And that way you're not valued by your job. And this country is so bad it values people by their job. Oh, you're a... Oh, you must be, yeah. Oh, well, you're just a... And I'm not going to say it because whatever I say, you know, hurts them. But that's what the world does. Y'all understand what I'm saying? And so they value you and your opinion by your... You know, some of the greatest opinions that are valued by these superstars and athletes are some of the stupidest opinions on the planet. But because they make a bunch of money and they're up there in the spotlight, we value them on this little old country dirt farmer that nobody knows who has more common sense and more love for God and more truth in his heart and his little finger than one of those guys has in their whole body, but nobody's going to listen to him because he's just a little dirt farmer. When really he's the salt in the earth, he's the salt and light of this earth because God's in his heart. Y'all understand that? And we don't respect the people that deserve respect. We respect them by their profession and their money. So we pervert the use, therefore we pervert the practice and the expression. Does that make sense what I'm saying? And I'm going to tell you something. I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again because I want everybody to hear this. Because some people are just striving. They don't realize. The day that Jesus told the parable of the talents, He gave one guy ten, one guy only got five. And if you notice, it says according to their ability. Not everybody has the same. And one guy only got one. But the guy that had the ten, the big superstar, made how many more? Ten more. And the guy that got the five, he only made five more. But when God spoke to them, they both got the exact same praise from God. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a little. I'm going to put you in, put you in charge of much. Because they did everything they could with what they were given. You all understand that? Quit striving to be this job and that job and this thing and do whatever. You know what the Bible says? Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your heart. Do it to serve the Lord, not to please men. That is an honorable job. One of my best friends in the world, and I'm going to be really careful. I don't know how to say this. But for 40-something years, he's mowed grass for the city. And he is one of the finest, best, honest, truthful guys. And if he's watching, I love you, Ricky. <laughs> best guys I've ever known in my life. And, and most people would just see that out there, you know, a guy, and they don't think very much of that. That's a guy that I talk to a whole lot for wisdom and for respect and for talking things out in life and all that kind of stuff because I know the wisdom and the love that's in his heart. Do you all understand what I'm saying? That's who I want to talk to. I don't want to talk to, I'm not going to mention it. I don't want to talk to LeBron. I'm sorry. He's, just, he, can, he can just, you know what? That's just, that's all there is to it. Because that guy ain't got, that guy don't know squat compared to Ricky. And that's a fact. But because we perverted what this is about, we perverted the respect and the expression. Let me ask you a question. I'm, now I am asking my church this, everybody out there. Why do you do your job? Whatever that job is, listen to me carefully. If you are honoring God, and sharing His love with those around you, you have an honorable job. You have an honorable profession. It is worthy to be praised. You know, people for years did this, we know this, but like a housewife, you don't have to work 
to have respect. I'm not saying don't worry. That's not what I'm saying. Y'all know that. I'm not old. But I'm saying you don't have to. Raising a family and loving your children and taking care of a home, that is a godly, respected, honorable. And the devil's trying to steal all this from us because for so long, women have been thought if they're not doing all this stuff, they're not, mm-mm. You do not, I'm not telling you what to do. You do what God tells you to do, but just a housewife. I hate that, okay? I think if we had more just housewives, we'd have some better behaved kids. And I'll tell you what, I think one of the reasons, not the only, but I believe this with all my heart, I'm going to say it. I think one of the reasons why we see so much rage in the world today is because children are not benefiting from the gentle nurture of a mother because she's gone. She's not there all the time. And I know dads are supposed to nurture it, but there's something about that gentle nurture love of a mother that is, is missing from our kids' hearts today. Y'all understand what I'm saying? And I really, really believe with all my heart that's one of the reasons why there's so much rage in the world today. Um, my wife is the perfect example of this, and she really is. We all have our faults, but this is not hers. I've, I've never seen anybody can do what that woman can do. When it comes to the Proverbs, if it says, A soft answer turneth away wrath. I have seen, you, you can't believe the parents that she holds in the palm of her hand. That other teachers have said, I'm glad they're yours now. <laughs> and it's like, in, 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 in one day, she's got an army behind her that would fight for her. Of parents that used to just, because she's gentle. And she, y'all all know her. You know that I'm not speaking. She's gentle and she's soft and she's, cause she's firm. So you don't run over my wife. But she is very quiet, very soft, and very gentle and never has a problem with anybody because of that. You understand what I'm saying? And so anybody who does their job for the Lord, is that's an honorable job. Okay, here's what I'm going to do because I've gone 35 minutes. And the other two I want to flesh out a little bit and I'm not going to keep you here 45 minutes. So I am going to tell you this, though. So if you don't want to come back next week or if you want to have your kids in another room, there are two things that I am going to address. I still have two points left on this sermon that we've perverted the purpose, so we now pervert the practice. And in order, next week, some of you will really want to tune in, we're going to talk about sex, <laughs> and then we're going to talk about church and how church is done. And that's the last two points that we'll do next week. But for this time... Uh, those three is enough, the food, the money, and the job. That ought to give you enough to chew on this week. And so, sorry, but if you would bow with me, we'll close with prayer. <laughs> Father, thank you that you um, are patient with us. And thank you that you never give up on us. And thank you that you, the Bible says that you withhold your loving hand, even to stubborn and obstinate people. But we still have to make the choice to turn and come to you. Father, I pray today that, through your words, through your love, through your discipline, that you, I, I pray you would break some hearts, but for the right reason, Father. Soften and break some hearts that have been hardened, that need to just humble themselves, come to you, bow down, seek your purpose, so that their life, the practice of their life, is not useless and wasted and, and frustrating but that they can see there's an eternal thing going on in their life because of the purpose you've given it. And I just pray, Father, that you'd remind us. The Scripture says that when we humble ourselves and confess our sins and repent and come to you, you don't beat us on the head. You're not rude. You're not mean. You're gentle and you're merciful and you lift us up and you restore us. And I just pray you would draw some people to your love today. 
because of that word and that hope. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.